Customers love options. Bike builders like options too. When you're looking for the highest quality plug and play lighting for your V-Twin, why not make the same choice as professional builders and make the switch to electric lighting? Electric lighting is the choice of builders like Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness. Even builders like myself have made the switch to electric lighting. Electric quality isn't just quality you can see, electric quality is quality you can feel. Did I mention that electric lighting was the first manufacturer to offer a lifetime warranty on all LED turn signals? Visit your local independent motorcycle shop or online at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Build Podcast. Uh, I've got a very interesting guest today. His name is Fish, and he owns a company called Alleyway Customs. Alleyway Customs spelled with a K. You can find him on Instagram. Uh, he and I are fellow Floridians, although he's all the way up in Jacksonville, Florida, about three hours away. And I appreciate him making the drive down. Uh, it's about a six-hour round trip to come see me here in Lakeland. And he's the second born free builder that we've had in the studio in the last couple of months and i'm stoked to have him down here he come down with his buddy chris chris didn't have a whole lot to say but uh we went back and forth a little bit we clinked glasses and uh talked about the motorcycle industry talked a little bit about born free and uh i hope you enjoy it as always make sure you visit uh, namscustomcycleproducts.com to check out and see what nams custom cycle products and electric lighting have to offer and while you're on the World Wide Web, go check out my homeboy, Boosted Brad, at deathmetalracing.com and pick up some of his parts. He's got a custom timing covers, points covers, derby covers, grips, pegs, the whole shoot and match. If you're going to build yourself a custom high-performance Harley-Davidson, he's definitely a dude that needs to be on your radar, as well as my good friend Paul over at Bare Knuckle Choppers. He's got some awesome FXR stuff he's just released. He just released that new narrow glide 49 millimeter conversion kit for your dyna fxr he's got awesome swing arm bearing kit for the fxr second to none in the industry some awesome stainless steel axles or dynas fxrs even fits some of the sportsters the 39 millimeter stuff go check them out at bareknuckleperformance.com or bareknucklepaul on instagram and without further ado i give you episode 33 of the helen wheels garageville podcast with fish from Alleyway Customs. beer today nice so i gotta there you go oh you got look at that come prepared like a fucking boy scout sure, all right i got brock from uh brock's performance gave me a bitch and carbon fiber one it's like a credit oh, card see, like that this is how chris rolls every time i see him he shows up he goes here you go check those out it is like some. That's been, uh that's small tooling. That's really rad. It's like I've been playing with the laser etcher. So you're laser etching the the leather then. I didn't know you could do that. See, that's yeah. that's all new. That's all new shit to me. Yeah, it's so pretty, it's pretty rad. Um, you can yeah, you can do tons and tons of cool 
Can't hear you. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, we oh, gotta we get go. we gotta get Mike. We gotta get our our mics uh, get our levels right. So anyway, right. you're good. Talk about that loud. <laughs> so you're uh, right there. Yeah, for sure. Good. Pull a little closer if you can. And these things too, yeah. like if you sit back, just grab it, move it, whatever. So you kind of keep the same. So okay, go around, introduce yourself. Hey, uh, my name's James Fish Alcorn with uh, Alleyway Customs. I'm Chris Rosenberg. I also uh, help James out with, help fish out with a lot of stuff at the at the bike shop, doing all kinds of random things. Right on. So, is that your primary vocation? No, no. Um, I work as a nurse in a local hospital. Very good. The, in Jacksonville, um, done a bunch of stuff for like that for a like while. ER, or OR. Um, I worked ICU for a little while. Oh, wow. I worked. Okay. Um, so you have a lot of good stories to tell, ladies. We <laughs> have so oh, much, thing, so many things to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. We could. So. Talk about all that stuff for a Well, gentlemen, clink glasses. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for having us, Jason. Kiri and Light. Right it's on. it's uh, it's five o'clock somewhere. There you go. So nice. no, man, I wanted to have you on because well, we tried doing this before, right? A and little bit. We've and talked about it back and forth, but um, I, you know, I when I started the podcast in 2012, we did 10 episodes. It went really well, but people really didn't understand the medium. I mean, it was really kind of like foreign to them, and so a lot of things have evolved into a lot of podcasting. It is. I mean, I've been, and ever since I like, I listened to my first podcast and started my first podcast all within probably <laughs> a, a one week period, right? So a friend of mine and I was not we're not we're not friends anymore, but we st we had a podcast called The Bottom Feed, and we basically he loved to talk about politics, and I loved to just argue. So it was a good fit, you know, he, and he was real libertarian. So when you're real libertarian, you can kind of just kind of coast through the middle and touch right, on the things right. that people don't like. Well, and then it just got to be to the point where it was like, I knew everybody in the business or was separated by one or two people uh, from them. And I still am, but it, it was really hard getting guests. People didn't want to do it on the phone. And and after doing it on the phone for so many years and then doing it live like this, where you have people in the room, this is, uh, the, the product is infinitely better. But, you know, with everything that's going on, uh, I appreciate you guys taking time from your day. And I listen here. to uh, motor, a, some form of motorcycle podcast. I have a 25-mile ride to work every morning, and I listen to, so I learn something every time that I didn't know about somebody or something or, you know, I listen to a lot of performance stuff because uh, with working with a dealership, I kind of need to know a little bit more about some bagger type stuff that I don't really know about being a kind of a chopper guy. Right. You know, so it's it's helpful. I always walk away or or just business, motorcycle industry business. That's the thing that I like to share with people is I've made a lot of shitty choices. So I have a lot of really good wisdom to share with people about, you know, what they should do and what they should do. Tell us, um, tell, tell everybody about what is alleyway customs? Like, so you're on, you're on Instagram. That's where we found each other, right? Yep. Actually you yep. found me last year. That's where you found me last year because of the, uh, central I, Florida wheels of steel show. You I listened to your podcast, uh, with Jason, those guys, the fast life podcast and heard about the central Florida show and wanted to get involved in it. Was interested in getting involved in it. And, uh, unfortunately some timelines didn't really work out. No, I remember stuff. that. Well, it, and it was hard to have. We've learned that it's hard to have a show. We thought having it in June and having it being indoors was going to be a slam dunk home run because it's so flipping hot here, you know, in June, and it rains every day here in June. And, well, 
not this year, but you know, for for the most part, you can set your watch to it raining sometime during the day in Florida, at least in these parts. So we thought it'd be a home run, and then it it we did really well. Just I mean, we our goal was to raise a hundred thousand dollars. It was the first show I've ever had any involvement win with, and we raised sixty five G's in one day. It all went to all went to the the local uh, children's uh, charity that we that we do this for. It's a it's actually a nonprofit, but. Yeah, so that's that's how you and I, you and I, hey, can come to know each other. Well, um, a little backstory: I've been riding Harley's exclusively this year for twenty four years. Um, built a bike, rode with friends. Always had one in the back burner. I was always kind of uh, infatuated with choppers, right? You know that that whole deal. And uh, so, about almost seven years ago. Uh, kind of about the time the economy had crashed a little bit. I was in between doing a lot of different things and just set out to kind of try to build a bike that wasn't lacking all of the, a lot of stuff being right. You know, I could get some bikes together, but the never a great paint job. The seats were always funky. My fabrication skills weren't up to par, uh, you know, and it never really claimed that I knew a whole lot about really, come from no certification background or anything like that, you know, really just had to, I decided to really pursue it. Um, and, uh, six years later, four different shop locations, <laughs> you know, you got the itis like I got, I got yeah. the, you got that. I get to get the fuck out of here. Itis. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's been, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun and got to do a lot of cool things. And, uh, you know, is it your are. full-time it's your full-time gig yeah, though right this is all i do so alleyway customs you do you 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 primarily specialize in paint and you're every you don't like have like a do you have a storefront or no no we're i'm, I'm close to the public appointment only um i'm doing a lot of paint right now because right now up in the jacksonville area there, there's you know there's good money in paint i build right. about four to six bikes a year uh the, that's a lot that's a that's a lot to do. I mean, if you're building four to six motorcycles for for client based uh, sales, that's that's actually keeping you busy and probably filling your bucket to where you can make a living. Yeah, just now, uh, you know, I opened and built out the the newest location, which is about two thousand square foot. Uh, it has a full real deal paint booth in it. Right. Um, you know, and, and just. I sold a bike, built a, just built a facility with a little bit of air conditioning you could work in, <laughs> um, and some lifts, and and uh, you know finally got a facility set up that actually you're not fighting yourself every, every day. That's a tough you know? gig, you know. I've had uh, the ebb and flow of where I've been. Uh, I've had I've been. This is the biggest shop I've ever had. This is eighty two hundred, and I've got room to grow, but trying to air condition 8200 and clean 8200 and maintain yeah. 8200 is uh, is a tall order and I try to get everybody here to understand that everybody has to participate in the maintenance <laughs> of things right. and the cleaning of things and you know uh, my guys are paid uh, are not salary they're paid 100% commission so they get laser focused on their commission rather than look I pay them more than what they're going to make anywhere else on the planet because I want them to participate in the other things that happen if you need lighting I'll buy the lighting, but you got to put the lighting up. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Sure. Like you got to help yeah, us absolutely. out, you, you know, and getting the right people in the mix of what you're doing that, that have respect for that, that, that want to meet you halfway yeah. and help it up, make it happen. That that's a huge thing. Too. So do you have any employees? 
There's nobody. I had, uh, you know, a couple different people uh, that have helped in the past. And I, I certainly have some people that come in when I get in all over my head on some things, you know. Right. Um, some old-timer welder friends of mine that are just – and those guys could teach you for a year and you still wouldn't get all the – you still Special wouldn't learn stuff. half of what they've forgotten in the no, last I'm 10 so, years. Uh, those are, there was a guy that had an older uh, guy that passed that worked on all of our bikes. And uh, when he passed, there was kind of a lull. Uh, but all of his friends, all the old timers, that one guy might have been good at wiring. The other guy was good at welding. I retained all my friendships with them. And then when they found out I was doing some stuff, they hit me up and were kind of like, what you got going on over here? I'm like, oh, man. I'm in over my head. I'm glad you called. No, yeah, good good to see you. But uh, no, I do like doing a lot of paint work. Um, we don't do, or I don't do any maintenance really. Um, the majority of the bike build stuff that I have that goes on is for, I do a lot of work for tattooers all over the country since one of my close friends is a, uh, is a good tattoo artist and knows a lot of people. So I just finished a bike for a guy in South Carolina, did one for another guy in Philly. You know, a nice. lot of a lot of this stuff that the chopper stuff and stuff that I like to do when people want to jump into a project that big, most people around locally don't have you know whatever set amount of money it's going to take to you know do that big of a project. Um, you know, but I do like the paint work because you know it's you're not the bad guy with maintenance. Yeah, you're the bad guy. guy you can, can be. It, yeah. you, you definitely have to. It's a different set of rules of engagement. The guy, you know what I mean, you know, guy comes in and. Well, something's wrong with my clutch. All right, we'll take a look at it. Yep. And he might have 400 bucks in his pocket. Well, next thing you know, he's got a $1,200 problem. Bike sitting there. You're trying to help him out with the paint. I do a consultation. Customer comes in. This is what I like doing. These are some references or colors I like. Some people just tell me to go for it, you know. Um, but then once that's discussed, you tell them how, how much it's going to cost. It's all smiles from there. Yeah, if you can find somebody who's willing to pay for I, the the biggest obstacle that I try to tell people when they get into this business is, look, you have to define what your time is worth first before you can do anything. You can't effectively sell somebody on your service uh, if they're if they're there because you they were referred to you or they're there because they heard about you in a in a good way. Um, you you have to have a predetermined cost for for what your time is worth. And I tell people all the time, we sell squares of time here in the service department. It's just a matter of how many squares do you, do you want? How many squares do you need? And that's going to determine what your price is. As far as the price in the book, I don't set those prices. Those are set by the manufacturer and I don't budge, you know, and I tell people all the time too, that I'm not the cheapest guy. If you're looking for the cheapest guy, I don't know where to send you. Yeah. I I'm the most expensive guy. I'm the slowest guy. If you're willing to deal with those two things, here's what you're not going to have to do. Usually, you're not going to have to bring your bike back to me. Now, I, every once in a while, we, I have a big dog back there that is a goddamn shit show <laughs> because, I, you know, it's been to three different shops, three different sets of hands, three different sets of things, and no one knows what's wrong with it because the guy won't give us, like, I'm an all-or-nothing dude. I'm ready to, the way this is going to go after this afternoon when I sit down with this guy, it's going to be, look, here's what we can do. We can take the entire motorcycle apart and rebuild it, or you can fuck off, like, yeah. I'm I I'm not going to keep band-aiding things that I I didn't fix. I'm not an apologist. I'm not going to apologize for somebody well, else's shitty he, work. Well, then when he breaks down, you know, if you didn't touch the entire electrical system or rewire everything or only wired a certain part, then he's like, oh well, I got this issue. You're the bad guy. You were the last one to touch You're it. The last one. To Why touch didn't it. It's your like fault. this guy? This bike. I'll tell you the story. It's actually 
it, the guy was the guy was incarcerated. While he was gone, his nephews rode the fucking shit out of this motorcycle, right? <laughs> when it came back, he took it to another shop. That guy tried to tell him, hey, look, big dog's out of business. You need to rewire this whole bike. He didn't want to hear that. He came to me. Big dog's not out of business. There's a new company that bought it, and they offer some options for upgrading things. And so we put uh, a new... Um, new ECM and new, uh, what you call it, wiring harness. Well, now we got it running, so it's showing its ass on all these other problems. Had to wait eight weeks on a clutch because Baker didn't have any and COVID and yeah. whatever. And so he goes, again, these fucking people are, uh, they're, I, I, I say this with not, not any teeth in it other than the fact that the guy picks the bike up from me and goes on vacation to Atlanta to ride, or to, to Georgia, the mountains of Georgia to ride it. Good luck. Okay. How about <laughs> ride it around here a bunch? Like, I, yeah. Unless you're going to pay me to ride your bike 100 miles, I'm not going to ride it 100 miles. I was going to I'm going to ride it 10 miles. Well, see, you're, We've you're, got a short loop and a long loop. We go, the, we'll take the long loop, depending on what the job is. The short loop, if, if you have a tire put on by us, I'm going to go to the end of the block and back. Yeah. If you have, um, I don't know, uh, a cam put in, I'm going to take the long loop. You know, if you have an engine build, I'm not giving you, if I build your engine, I ride it a hundred miles. Yeah. I got a 25 mile loop that I ride one 25 mile loop. I come back, I check everything. I go on a, another 25 mile loop and come back and check everything. I do that four times. So when I give you a bike back, it's got a hundred miles on it. If I build a bike for you, I put a hundred miles on it. I make sure that everything's, if it's going to come loose in the first hundred miles, it's yeah. if it's not going to come loose in the first hundred miles, chances are it's not going to come loose in the first thousand miles. Yeah. All the dumb stuff will fall off in the first block. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to happen, and, and people are like, ah, and I'm like, yeah. no, man, you got to, you know, we're humans. This is, we're not robots. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a manufacturing facility. It is what it is, you know, right. yeah. and so you try to explain that to people, and I'm real cut and dry about it. I'm not, I didn't fuck it up. I'm not fixing it, and not for free. Nothing's free, you know. I'm doing a gas tank repel, uh, repair on an Eddie Trotta, big, crazy, fat tire chopper. Right. Built. Back and whenever a guy shows at the shop, <laughs> unannounced, I don't even know the guy. Hey, I heard you're the heard you the gas tank wizard. I go, well, I don't really go by wizard. I, my yeah, name's right. Fish. <laughs> yeah. Some people call me Fish. What what you got going on? Well, this thing's leaking and it's already got three inches of some green bondo swiped all over it. Everything's peeling. I'm like, I'll take a look at it, you know. But you're looking at set amount of money problem. You didn't get too wide eyed on that. So took a little money down normal deposit stuff and wire wheeled everything off that little pinhole opened up into the size of a pencil eraser go do the gas tank repair i was like i'll see i'll keep rolling with this i got this, this is fine grind it all out to some good material go start throwing a patch in there well the tank liner is so thick there you can't weld it everything's catching on fire yeah so i called the dude up and i was like hey you need you need to come by here and talk about some things and I was like, for the most part, I need you to know this. This was your problem before I came in here. I'm just letting you know what you're, oh, yeah. what you're holding. I'm, we're identifying yeah. that. We're, we're identifying I've this learned how to do that in the first conversation. Yeah. I find that if you blast somebody between the fucking running lights right out of the gate and make yeah. them go like, whoa, what just happened? Everything else that you tell them will be, will be easily yeah. accepted. <laughs> I didn't put that pinhole in your tank. But I said this, we're starting some, some options of repair. Yep. But it was broke when it came in here. If you don't like any of those, it's just, you know, cruise, man. Yeah. It's all good. But Yeah. And, it, and, it, and I'm a, 
I, I probably go from one to 11 way too fast. But, <laughs> but what I'm trying to do is to, I've been through every imaginable scenario you can come up with to where I'm trying to get to the end where you and I are moving on a solution rather than I'm not, we're not going to sit here and place blame and ask about options we could have done because my crystal ball doesn't work any better than yours. And I don't have a DeLorean that at 88 miles an hour, I can drive out here in the street and we can go back. That's not go back and make someone else's decisions for them. Yeah, I can't do that. So I'm right to, I, I, I look dismissive and disrespectful, but I'm not being that I'm, I'm getting us to a solution quicker than I am going to rehash how yeah. we got to the problem, especially if I didn't have anything to fucking do with it. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I got a guy brought me two bikes, came from Tallahassee. The bikes were built in Los Angeles. And the guy says, I don't have time to work on these things. I don't have the, the knowledge. Can you right. make them where they start first kick, first turn of the key? One was a 57 panhead, one's a 80 shovel head, middle chopper. And the guy's awesome. He understands. He knows why everything's rigged and janky. And I'm like, we're going to fix this, this, and this. Send him pictures every day. This is what else is wrong. I pulled your rear wheel apart. There's aluminum spacers. It's three sixteenths of an inch off center. Right. You know, half your stuff's broke. Your sissy bar's bent and tweaked. Your wiring's whole ass into your bikes, just wasted. This is what we're going to do. Yep. And if we don't want to do that, that's cool. I'm just, I'm going to, it'll be outside. He's stoked. (laughs) So yeah. stuck. He's like, I never dealt with a shop like this. I'm like, what? That tells you the truth? Right. That's what they say they're going to do? The white bike that I showed you that's got the, the problematic gas tank. Yeah. I didn't build that bike. I put that bike together. And it happens to be one of my best friends. And he just doesn't have, he doesn't understand why a chopper would leak oil. I'm like, this thing is going to leak oil <laughs> forever. This is, it's going to leak. You have to, and it, he's just, he's so pissed off about it. And He's so pissed off about it to the point where he has talked to other friends of mine aside from me, like, well, you know, this is really supposed to, is it really good? And I'm like, they're telling the same thing. Yeah, they leak. Yeah. You know, you don't want it, le- you don't want it to leak, then go buy a twin cam. If you don't want it to leak, then put a sealed primary on it. But if you have to have an open primary, you're going to have, at some point in time, you're going to have a leak. Prehistoric technology. Well, and it's all the seals, all the stuff. That's part of the charm of that's it, too. Of it. I'm like, I don't give a, I, if there's something wrong, I'm smart enough to know that we need to fix it. Yeah. If it's leaking between the cases, that's not cool. If it's leaking out of a seal and you replace the seal and it still leaks, yeah. usually it's another problem. You know, all Evos, all shovel heads, they all sump. They all get the oil in there. Chris's you shovel know? head that we built a <laughs> swing arm root beer bike. Mm-hmm. It was the, uh, the second of two bikes. I built a bike called the Silverfish. Right. Blue and silver. Rigid frame. It was a big fat tire chopper. I narrowed the frame, uh, skinnied it up, and Chris is like, I love the bike, but I want to do a swing arm version. Right. The swing arm version came up from Miami, running, stroker motor, never got it to stop leaking. We ended up replacing the motor in it. Was it a shovel or a pan? Shovel. 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 Where was it leaking from? The, The engine seal on the left side? Some kind of pressure issue where somebody had drilled the cases and something wasn't lining up correctly and we never never got it without completely just pulling all the way down the cases and just rebuilding everything it just sure the nightmare but he's got another leaky shovel motor in there if you get one that's leaking from the motor sprocket i've got a seal that'll that'll seal that up 
Yeah. Because that's what we did on this one. But the the idea that I, I don't like the idea of building a bike for somebody that doesn't understand the process. You know what I mean? Like the the little sportster that's back there that I showed you that we're building for the that police officer. You know, he came in, he wanted a hardtail. Well, okay, the hardtail is this much and this is how much it is to put it on. Well, then it was, well, it doesn't, it's not a complete bike. I'm like, well, that's not what you asked for. You asked for a hardtail. I mean, it, it, the hardtail's on there. You saw it. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, it, it, it's too wide. I'm like, well, that's the hardtail you picked. You got to put a 180 on it. And then when it's, and then it's, and then you're the asshole because now uh, he spent $10,000 on a sportster. I'm like, I don't know what to tell yeah. you. I don't, I don't. <clears throat> It's not my money. I don't care. Not work on sportsters. We're doing a crazy iron head chopper for Chris because he's my friend. But most sportster people, nothing against them, but they don't understand. It costs the exact same amount of money to build a sportster as it does to build a fucking R and R big twin. And you're doing it with a three thousand dollar valued piece of paper. Your title's worth three thousand dollars. So you're going to have twelve, fifteen thousand dollars in this bike, and you're going to get same as a Triumph. Yeah. Did you see the Triumph that I built a couple years ago? The little, the last dance. Triumph, the real low, Probably. like a digger, hand shift, built it for my uncle. <clears throat> Again, you know, it's a, at best, it's a three or $4,000 bike, and I've got fifteen grand into it, yeah. you know, by the time it's done. And, mm -hmm. you know, people don't understand that it's time and material. You know, we're 96 bucks an hour. It goes back to the square thing. How many squares you want? I have right. thrown all these principles out the window to build this people's champ bike for born free. Well, you have to for that. It is. Uh, we, me and Chris were talking about on the way here. I'm like, I'm so ready for assembly and for it just to not have where it's sucking all the time. My situation works where if I want to work on that bike for a week, I have to work about three to five weeks to buy my shop. Yeah. To be able to. That's a good way to look at it, though. You know? yeah. That's a way to be in an equitable situation. I talk to other builders, guys that have been in the business forever. One of the guys is somebody that is considered by many to be the guy that is the elder statesman in all of builders right now that's still doing it actively and on a regular basis. And I was having a conversation with him, and I'm like, so I got to ask. You've been doing this since Christ was a carpenter. How do you do you do you just give a set price? Do you charge by the hour? How do you do it? He goes, man. He goes, I'm, I'm. He articulated it, going, I'm not as, I'm, I'm not as, uh, as savvy, business savvy as you are. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I don't charge as I should. You know, I charge what I think I should, and and I we work off of that. Where I, what I do with everything is I break it down into individual tasks. And if it takes me four hours to put on a rear hardtail, then you pay four hours to put on the rear hardtail. If it took me four hours to take the bike apart or put it back together before or after that, you pay for that too. And if you don't want to pay for it, well, then you can do it yourself or take it somewhere else. And I also, one of the things that I always do is I always collect a hundred percent of the money for the parts that we need up front. Yep. Like if we look at like the project of doing the hardtail, we need the hardtail with the fender and the, this and the, that. So I get a hundred percent of that. And then when it comes in, and I start working on it, I get a, a labor deposit for what we think that's going to be. And then when we add more parts, you pay that right then. And I do that so that if we come into a situation where you and I are button heads and I'm like, hey, kick yeah. fucking rocks, you don't really owe me anything. You know you what I mean? The same thing. You can kick rocks yeah. and, and you can go besmirch my name to anybody you want to. Most people that know anything aren't going to listen because they're going to say, well, was it done right? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. 
Was he an asshole? Yeah. Well, okay. Could you have done it in your garage? No. And usually the answer is just no. I know what people have the ability. And I'll tell somebody, look, you don't want to pay me to do that. It's not, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be a valuable service. And some people say, you know what? I don't want to do it. I need you to do it. And you're going to, I mean, you know, that's what we, we're going to base the job off of. But, you know, by and large, we, we get through it. But I, I've only had to, I've only had to throw, I had a guy a couple years ago and I've talked about it before, but I, the, the guy pissed me off so bad. I just pushed this shit outside and said, come get it. And I paid him to take it away. I, here's, here's $500. Mm-hmm. Take it to somebody else, and he took it to a friend of mine that, that builds bikes down in Sarasota, and uh, and that dude, that dude finished it, and that dude was happy to take it on, and I was happy to let it go over there, and he called me, he's like, what do I, you know, what do I got to deal with, and I told him what he's gonna have to deal with, and he figured it was it was an equitable arrangement for him, but sometimes you know. it works out that way. That that forty knucklehead that I did, I finished the restoration on it, mm-hmm. came from a different shop, and the guy wanted his uncle's bike. His uncle had a blue 1940 EL knucklehead. Right. And he got one and he was making it blue. Came to me as a nice bike, but the other shop was trying to talk him into a bunch of 12 volt stuff, a bunch of visible stuff that wouldn't have flown, you know, in any kind of uh, antique points judging system and stuff like that. And well, the, he was. That's not even up for negotiation. Exactly. There's certain they, things that are left to interpretation, right? Yeah. And there's certain things you can hide. Well, they had him by the balls because the, the guy didn't know of anybody else in our area that would be like, no, I know what you're looking to have done, and I'll do it. And the guy did not have a problem with – he didn't write me an open check, but I was like, yeah, it's set amount of money an hour, and I'll keep you posted every two weeks, and I'll show you what we're getting done. And it looked like a swap meet. He brought me just Tupperware bins, so filled, filled the whole place up. I was like, whoa, man, this guy – you know, I never did ask the guy what he did for a living. Shows up in a suit. Right. We became friends, but I still don't really, really know. And yeah, like, I mean, I guess that's know. really not terribly important. But, I mean, it's it's interesting. People are yeah. interesting. And I've met more people through doing this job than I ever met. More cool people, more interesting people than I ever did on any of my other jobs. I mean, I was, in a, I was at a company that built real high-end race cars and stuff. And mm-hmm. those people weren't as interesting as motorcycle people. Never know what you got coming in the door. I think it's because a motorcycle <laughs> can fit in your living room and a car can't. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you look at some of the people that put liver, put a motorcycle in their living room, that's a very eclectic person usually. That's not the average right. Joe. That's not just the average banker. That's not the average no. lawyer. That's not the no. average doctor. Well, they love them. Yeah, well, they it's, love them to a different kind of, like, that's just as important as my pets and coffee table. Yeah. It makes like right. a statement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely, it's a conversation starter. Yeah. And you don't have to show it to anybody because not everybody gets to see somebody's living room, right? I mean, it's a, there's an right. there's an intimacy that it, that occurs <laughs> with that. You know, yeah. it's like uh, I got a good buddy. I don't know if you know who Cody Childers is, but Cody's got um, third party. I don't yeah, know him personally. He's a, I mean, he's one of my best friends in the world, and he, we you know when you go to his house, he's got a he's got I don't call it a man cave, but he's got like an entertainment room in the back where his family kind of converges on a daily basis, and he's got a he's got a whiskey collection that yes. is unbelievable an unbelievable and it's all it's all like laid out and he's got two bottles of he usually buys three bottles of everything he buys because he puts one bottle aside for one daughter one bottle aside for the other daughter and then he has one that he samples and then his idea is is that the plan is that when the daughters get married he'll either a have all the booze for their wedding it'll all be top shelf really cool shit or he'll sell all the booze and use that as 
is money to pay for the wedding. Not a bad plan. No, and Not it's cool. Plan. And you know, in the in the process of doing it, you know, he's got this. You know, he's got the the whiskey we don't drink, and then over here he's got the whiskey we do drink. And there's plenty of of both. And then you know, he's got a he's got a home shop that's got a lot of really cool shit in because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a commercial location because he just does it for private clients and for himself. So right. I kind of like that idea. I would love yeah, to, cool. to to peel off. You know, my house is only a mile and a half from here. I'd love to peel off, have a, you know, 12 or 1500 square foot shop at my house that has a couple hoists in it with the projects that I want to do mm-hmm. or the projects that I'm doing just for a specific client for a specific way where I could just kind of, you know, put some music on and, and kind of just make that happen there. Every shop location that I've had, except for the very first one, which really wasn't much of a shop, they've all been at least 20 miles away from home. Is that by design? One, well, you just live out in the sticks. Well, I live in like North St. Augustine, so there's not okay. a really a lot of commercial space. It's right off Interstate 95. So the little bit that there is there, it's either unattainable for a smaller shop like us. Yeah, or, I got to imagine that's a pretty expensive place to get real estate. Yeah, it, it can be, but like you can get a ton of real estate kind of in the ghetto over in Jacksonville. So I kind of like the ghetto. Right. You know, you know what I mean? We're not in the ghetto it, here, but. Uh, I kind of like it. Uh, Interesting. Well, the two streets, and maybe we wouldn't get in. Shouldn't get into that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good where we're at, but the adjoining neighborhoods are kind of sketchy. You know, but, a little uh, sketchy is good. I like that's yeah. one thing I like about Daytona. Do you do uh, do you do the bike? Do you do Bike Week? Not much of it. I went. I did the V Twin Visionary Show at Stone Edge uh, this past year to go down. Um, not that I had a bike to show. I had, I had built an FXR uh, in 83 with the 107 Sidewinder, and I just project bike that right. um, I had sold my regular rider bike to build the shop. So that FXR I was building just to kind of ride every day. And then I had had it on the road for some time and painted it to showcase kind of what I what we do, a little calling card. Sure, yeah. And then four weeks before, I got an offer on it and I couldn't turn down. So... I had made plans with Brad to go see him down there because I hadn't seen him since we did the Brushmasters things together. Right. And Jeremy from Lucky Strike was going down too. And I had talked loosely with Jeff that I'd be down there. So I just jetted down on a black Super Glide and <laughs> just said hello, said hello to you and everybody else. And you know. I liked that show. I liked Jeff's shows a lot. It was I cool. Think Jeff, it was cool. Jeff, you know, I, I have conversations with, with – uh, with people all the time because I'm trying to get people to participate in our show. And then I like to go to shows and stuff. Uh, I don't go to a lot of them, but like when I go to Sturgis, it's pretty much all shows. You know, that's what I do. I get there Saturday at some point in time. Sunday's the FXR show. Monday's the V2 Envisionary Performance Show. Tuesday's the Sports Showdown. Wednesday is uh, Pair With Paint Show. Thursday, I'm packing up to leave and we we head out. So I don't, I don't, it's just such a far drive. You know, have you been to Sturgis? No, I've never have, and uh, I'm hoping to get out there uh, one day. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of tough, tough to get. Away. It's, oh, it's hard to peel away for that long. Like you were saying earlier, you've yeah. got to work for an extra three to five weeks and stack up, get the work done, get yeah. in front of that because you're losing so many days. That's the one nice thing about this place now that I've got my daughter. She can handle the front. I've got Shannon and Ed that can handle the back. So when I peel away for a couple of days, you know, between – Phones, emails, text, yeah. social media. We can we can get what we need to get done. I, I did done. the uh, the congregation show last year, and it was awesome. Where's that one at? Up in North Carolina. 
Okay. Yep. Um, they saw the flathead that I built, which is one of my personal bikes, the Folsom flathead, the gray and black striped one, and said, hey, you want to come up and, and participate in the show? And I was like, well, shoot, yeah, that's killer. But what makes it even better is that if you participate in the show, you can be a free vendor. Right. So they let you set up. So I painted a gas tank uh, and had a handful of other just, you know, paint bullshit stuff. Sure. Uh, and I went up and sold the gas tank to the guys that were vending next to me, ended up doing a deal where I painted a matching fender. Right. Sold two dozen shirts. And, I've and never sold a shirt at an event. It's the just whole not, thing paid for itself. It was awesome. That's good to hear. It was awesome. And you know, that's what I try to encourage people that paint. I don't have, I don't have the wherewithal to do it. I don't have the vision to do it. I don't have, there's things I like doing that I know I'm good at and painting would not be one of them. Even if I had the the facility to do it and the means to do it, it's just, I don't have the bandwidth for it. I don't have the patience for it. You know, yeah. I'd be, I'd be spraying wet paint over top of wet paint, not letting things dry, but people that have people that can paint have the opportunity to write their own ticket in this business and that, and I can prove it time and time and time again. I did in 06 between 05 and 06, I sold a hundred thousand dollars worth of paint for Darren Williams at liquid illusion. Hundred thousand wow. dollars. We wrote him checks. Now that's other shops are using them. Paul at Bare Knuckle was using them. Steve at Stevenson Cycle was using them. The Detroit Brothers are using them. Mm-hmm. All these guys were using. You know, let that's who who does all of paint. Uh, Pat Patterson from Lead Sled does all his paint. You know, and so th- there's an opportunity there to make a lot of money. Now his overhead was huge back then. He had a shop down on Oleatha in, in East St. Louis, but at the same time. He was, you know, he's generating a lot of income. I think that's the, you know, Boosted Brad's model is a, a pretty good one. You know, one paint job a month, X number of dollars, yep. plus his parts business. And now he's, he's got a, he's got a showroom and all that stuff now too. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, he and I had quite a bit of conversation about that up there when we were doing the paint school and uh, man, it's, I love it. There's, you know, you have a lot of creative control. It's, you know, the paint can change. Plus, I can do all kinds of different bikes. Well, not only that, but you kind of are the last person to put your thumbprint on a motorcycle where if I had my, if I had my choice, all my bikes would be one color. All my bikes would have my logo on them. End of, because I'm not a painter. And I think putting a paint job like that on, on one of my bikes is like, that's not my idea. It's not, you know what I mean? That's why I like painters that build bikes too. Like Darren Williams is somebody who builds bikes. Not anymore, but he used to. He had some really interesting, weird kind of interpretations of what a motorcycle or a chopper would be. He built yeah. this one bike. I don't know if you you know who I'm talking about, right? I do. I do. So he had this bike that he, he redid it two different ways, but it was a super wide rear tire, right side drive, mid controls, big, long. When you sat on it, you were way kind of like in it and outstretched mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this air cleaner that was weird with a demon carburetor on it and a big powerhouse motor. And it was just like a cartoon looking thing, you know, but he rode that thing across the country. He rode it to the yeah. smokeout yeah, from yeah. St. Louis. That's, that's, you know, 10 hour ride or 12 hour ride, like yeah. in a car. So, I mean, that's, that's two days of riding and beating the shit out of yourself out on there. that thing. And, yeah. and it made it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, the, the, the paint stuff and really all the, the upholstery I dabble in and the hand tooled leather stuff. And that was kind of out of necessity to see if I could make it for the first couple of years. Shit. I did really well. Full fendered shovel heads. 
paint jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, people putting them on eBay. People buy them. Well, not only that, but I try to encourage. I've got a painter friend that lives around here. I'm like, look, dude, just fix people's fucked up stuff, and uh, you'll make a living. I had uh, just kind of. T- I don't. I don't really. He and I don't work a whole lot together anymore. Just for his business practices don't align align with mine. And uh, I had a shop for a little while. I had. I was like, okay, I got to regroup. I stopped teaching high school, pulled myself out of that, got into a smaller shop, single location just me and like one other guy part-time and the shop neck, it was like 1500 square foot in like an industrial plaza, like something across the street there. I mean, just something real right, simple. Right. And, uh, the building next to me became available. And so I told my painter friend, I'm like, look, you're not, you're not operating at maximum capacity. You're, you know, you're working hard, not smart. So I rented the building and I said, look, you paint, I'll run your business. All your business will just come through my service department. You'll get paid whatever you want. Like if you say a job, is a thousand dollars. I'm going to mark it up 20% and I'm mm-hmm. going to cover your overhead. You pay yourself, you know, and if a job comes in for a thousand bucks, I'm gonna tell the customers 1200. That's 20%. We're going to get 50% upfront for a down payment. I'm going to take my 200 out of that. Right. So you're going to get four knowing that when the job's done, you get another six, yep. you know? And so we did that for three months. I wrote him over $53,000 worth of checks. Yeah. And he was like, ah, I don't want to do this no more. I'm like, okay. Wow. You know, I mean, but, and he was just, everybody that came in, I'm like, hey, you know, we can fix that. And he was a brilliant at airbrushing and repairing mm-hmm. little chips and, and stuff. And he made killer money doing that and, and pinstriping. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's good money in it for sure. Because people, know? I mean, it's like voodoo. People think they, they can't do it. With what? paint it's oh, like yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah. it's it's voodoo to them they got to have equipment and they got to have a knowledge of chemicals and they got to have a knowledge they've got to have a lot of things you got to have somewhere to do it where you're not going to get shit on other things and it's there's a I lot a of leeway that you can get away with um you know my first shops that i was telling you about there was no booth in there right i would cover everything with visqueen in the whole sure. shop i had a lift a bench drill press welder and all that would get covered in visqueen stack up different stands and I'd paint the stuff and then cut and buff. Yeah. You know, but, and I had painted, and I've probably been painting for 15 years, uh, many of that the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, the first time I ever took some money from my friend to paint something, I think it was gloss black or something like that, went horribly wrong. Everything in the, it's chemistry. Everything in the world that you got by with in the back alley of someplace right. goes wrong. And then... Paints about learn how to fix your mistakes quickly. He had said, the the guy that told me that, that I'm talking about. He said he, he does a lot of paint with graphics. He goes every time you see a graphic on my on my paint jobs, he goes I'm covering up a mistake. Yeah. He goes I, I use that to that's how I cover my mistakes. And I was like you son of a bitch. No wonder I can't get a black fucking paint job out of you, right. or a gray fucking paint job out of you, <laughs> right. or a red fucking paint job out of you. Yeah. I always say that the best paint that. The best job you're ever going to get from a new painter is the first job. Right. And the second job will tell you how all the other paint jobs are going to go. And if you stick to that rule, yeah. you know, if I stick to that rule, it's always, it's never failed me. Yeah, the yeah. second paint job is always like, ah, you know, my fucking kids got to go over here to daycare. And I just, and they love to tell you my, my favorite, we used to have these cards and we wrote them up. It was shit. My painter says, <laughs> and it was, uh, I still need to cut and buff it. Uh, that was one of them. Uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, I've got some fish pop or I've got some, some solvent pop. 
And then the other one was, I've got fisheye. I've got, uh, it's too cold to paint. It's too hot to paint. I can't paint when it's raining. The barometric pressure isn't right. You know, all these things, you know, I'll bring it to you in the morning. If that's cool is another one, you know, Uh, it's fucking to play devil's advocate on that. I was shooting out of, uh, the shop I just left was a shot that, that me and all my friends, we used to build hot rods at. Right. So they used car lot. They rented us a building, me and like four dudes. And they had a guy that originally taught us a, just a little bit about painting. He would come there at night. He worked at Mayo Clinic during the day, delivering really? organs and stuff. Oh, wow. But he was in a cars too, but for extra money, he'd go and paint bumpers and stuff for the, for the car lot. So that was a little bit bigger than a full-size truck in there. Long story longer, that's where I was painting at out of recently. Beauty in that is that the compressor and the airlines were super far away from that room. I move into the new shop, put a compressor right next to the paint booth, routed the airlines as you're supposed to, all this stuff, and I battled moisture in those lines. Do you have a dryer? I I bought thousands of dollars for dryer stuff, all this stuff, and just fought this whole moisture in the airline. I felt like I was completely starting at the very beginning again. I don't know what I'm doing again. Great. Yeah, I've seen my father-in-law's move is he puts a tampon or not a tampon, a, a maxi pad in the in the water trap. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's fucking pretty archaic, but it oh. got the job done. But he was a it's lacquer genius. guy. Right, right. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was buying every fisheye filter. There's a compressor place around the corner. I was like, just sell me the whole whole thing. You had those big, those big blue lines with the with the yeah. quick release fittings and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what this dude's got. He's got a shop behind his house now with a professional booth in it with all the those lines are called something. There's a, there's a I, I forget. I just a, bought a the fancy name. Somebody for told me shit. that's the kit. You know, I was like, cool. I'll take two. Just route the lines all the way around the shop and back. All of them run uphill. Yeah, and you know. and it, they have to be longer too. They come around and do it like a circle or like a square, or whatever, mm-hmm. to reduce pressure but increase volume. Or I don't know. Yeah, high but, volume pressure system. Yeah. Good and stuff, so, but, but and so therein lies the reason why I, I don't have any interest to paint because I've only got so much bandwidth, you know, in a, in my day, yeah. and so you you got to use it up doing what you what you're good at. At, at some point in time, you ha- I don't know how old you are, but at, at 47 years old, I've decided that I've got to determine what I'm good at. I need to figure out a way to monetize that, and then everything else I monetize is going to be a pass through that I'm only going to get a few chips off of so I can pay somebody to do their job mm-hmm. at a high level. And that's, yeah. that's how we, you know, that's how we operate here with these guys in the back. Yeah. You know, I don't, they, they don't ever come and ask for a raise. They don't come and ask for more work. They don't, I mean, you know, and I, you know, I, they get paid regularly. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's what <laughs> right. I'm trying to figure out. I'm right. trying to figure out how I get, you know, that's the, the last little tinge in my DNA of, being from Detroit and being from a blue collar family is the knowing exactly what you're going to bring home. And that it's like, it's impossible. It's impossible. I did did construction for, uh, I had a rough framing and remodeling company with my best friend for 15 years. And, and we never, we had so much work. You never, you knew, you know, we had our salaries for ourselves and I went for so many years or I never, until the economy crashed. I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? Right. Now and now, with the way this goes, you know, fortunately, we're busy and booked up, and you know, but you still have to complete the jobs to get the cash rolling. Yeah, and, you know, you got your thirty-day window. Yeah, <laughs> you know, before everybody starts sticking their hand out. Yeah, well, my rule is you feed the wolf at the door. Yeah, 
You know, that, right. that's, that's who gets their money first yep. is you feed the wolf. You try to pay everybody on time. I try to take everything that I do and like our, like our utilities, my daughter is really good at this too. Like we look at what we spent in 2019 on utilities and then you break it up by 50, you know, take that total divided by 52, pay it every week and you get in front of things. So in the winter time, I'm overpaid on some things in the summertime they chip mm -hmm. away at that. And it's like having a bank account, basically, instead of putting money in the bank to pay your fucking light bill, the, I just let them hang on to it. Cause I, I want it, you know, consistency is, is pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And I, I tell people the reason why I do that is because I can come up with a thousand bucks pretty much any time. Excuse right. me. Any, that's, that's like the, that's like the number that I can come up with, with no problem. Yeah. Five grand give me a minute, but I can get it. <laughs> right. 10 grand. I got to make a phone call. Right. Anything over right. and above that we're fucked. Well, what can we <laughs> yeah. sell? Yeah. You don't that hey, how much yeah. can I get for that FXRP that I, that I, that right. I stole? You have that deal coming. Like, <sighs> you know, I've, I've talked about that FXRP now on Jace's podcast. And so everybody knows, grand. huh? I'll give you three grand. See, that's still, it's <laughs> not, low? yeah, no, it's, I don't want to sell it. Like I'm at that point. I was, I was telling Cameron, I got one of my best friends lives up in Jacksonville. Cameron and I was telling him like look man I'm at the point where I'm tired of working for something and then giving that shit away because I can find another one later like I'm at the hourglass is turned over now to where I'm watching that sand come out you know and there's still a lot of sand there but I'm like nah you know those deals the sun only shines on a dog's ass once in a while when and I, so when I'm I listened to your podcast and you said that that's the same thing that happened I got a story about my 51 pan head uh, got a barn fine. The one of the ones it's right. this, this is your, the only one you're going to get. Right. I get a 51 pan head. What was it? Uh, 82 FX shovel head and a whole bunch of other parts. Guy doesn't know what he's got. I'm getting pictures third party through one of my wife's friends. Right. End up doing a negotiation. Go to get the deal. Well, I had two 51 Fords. Cars, chopped, airbag, 51 Chevy, same deal. Uh, 51 Ford truck that me and my buddies passed around. So 51 Panhead. Right. This is a missing one. Right. I got, I got it. Yep. Here it is. And uh, so this bike's same deal. I'm like, this one's going to be a keeper. I'm going to, you know, it's most of every everything. Motor had never been cracked open. Frame, motor, transmission, no tins. But I was like, shoot, man. Tins are easy. Okay, you get tins. Get tens. Had a knucklehead front and rear leg springer laying next to it. There's your tens. Yep. <laughs> right. I was like, is that what I you know, and I was fair. The dude actually tried to take me for a ride on it, said, Well, this is the price. I said, I'll be there in the morning. Comes back a couple hours later. As I'm doing that hustle on a Sunday night, how much cash can I get in my hand right now? Right. You know? Doing that hustle guy calls back, hey, uh, my, my, my boss friend, he went into work and somebody at work offered him 3,000 more. I'm like, dude, come on. So I bumped it up a little bit. I said, I'll, st I'll still do it for, for this amount of money. Okay, let's do it. Anyway, get the bike, everything. That's normally how I, I have something over in the corner. Sure. Collecting little, you know. I kind of have to. Like the chopper in the back. I yeah. have to have something. Little bits and pieces, and someday I'll get it going. I'll sell what I'm riding, and I'll be riding that, and the vicious cycle right. continues. continues. Mm -hmm. Man, this thing was ready to be put together. I B-blasted everything. Uh, roadside Marty and I sat down and kind of decided the direction the bike was going to go when he was up in the congregation show with me. Sure. We, had, we had brunch, and I was like, man, I want to do this finish. 
where it's all like bead blasted aluminum, just really nothing shiny. Whole bike sitting over in the corner, and I'm just about, I had built the wheels, laced up the original wheels, rebuilt everything, powder coated some of the components, stainless Buchanan spokes. I got tires on it, the whole deal. Then I signed up for the People's Champ thing, and that's the donor bike. So the bike that was just going to be a regular restoration, I made into the chopper. I like that, man. I, I'm over, like, uh, I can remember a long, long time ago um, when Billy would call the the panheads the, the garbage wagons, you know, the, yeah. the dressers and all that stuff. And I don't think he was talking about panheads necessarily, but he was talking about those big bikes with the bags and all the, right, all the right, shit right. on them. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I like that, the, the El Rey bike, that's a panhead. Yeah. That's a legit, you know, I mean, like to oh, me yeah. that, that, that's the, the goat right there. Yeah. That's, the, I measure everything off, of, off of that bike. Yeah. Um, and ironically enough, it's, it's very similar in, in stance as the red rum bike, which is the other bike that I kind of measure everything, you know, the standard of what I really like to ride and stuff like that. But I, I like that people cut things up. You know, we were talking, Chris and I were talking when you were uh, going in the other room, we were talking about hot rods and, and my favorite muscle cars. And I'm a big muscle car nerd. My favorite muscle cars were the cars, the anomalies, you know, like if I could find a, a 1968 Malibu with a post rubber floor mat, three on the tree, yeah, yeah, 307, yeah big 10 bolt, no air, no factory radio. Like that to me, mm -hmm. that's a prime race car. Yeah. You pull that 307 out, you put a 427 in it with, with aluminum heads, you put an M21 in there with a 12 bolt in the back, you know, solid lifter camshaft yeah. with a 488 set of, set of ring and pinions in it and just make that thing fucking stand up straight on the street. You know what I mean? Like I like that shit or a 68 Nova that still has the key in the dashboard. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Kinky yeah. shit. 65 and 66 post Bel Air rubber floor mat cars. Yep. You know what I mean? Like those are, those are, those are my, those are my, my, uh, Holy grail cars, you yeah. know, shit like that. That's, that's just left or everybody. I love 66 Impala, the big giant super sports, you know, mm -hmm. with 13, seven day. That's a car that you can buy three sets of wheels and have three different cars. You yeah. buy a set yeah. of 13, yeah. seven reverse Kragers <laughs> with 175, 50, 13s on it. Yep. You buy a set of well pro stars with a 28, nine and a half slick and a, you know, a front set of front runners. And then you put Chevy, uh, Corvette rallies all the way around it. Yep. Lower that bitch into the weeds and put any three, you know, you got to the cruise night and any one of those sets yeah. of wheels set that car off, right? Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Put a 327 with a power glide in and just cruise down the road. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go racing, I want to go racing in something kinky, you know, something that not everybody has. I wanted to build a 55 Chevy. Oh, dude. Hot rod. Yeah. Most of my Post. buddies, we, we grew up, uh, when we got, well, my buddies got me into cars. I was into bikes before cars and... My closest friend, Mike Wilson, was into cars. And, well, he had rode bikes all his life, but not Harleys. Right. So I traded him my very first 69 Ironhead for a car, a 53 Dodge that was kind of set up. But we were all doing custom cars, chopping them and right. lowering them, slamming. And, you know, I had, I had wrecked a 51 Chevy a few years ago. And I was like, man, if I do another car... My wife's kind of into hot rods. She don't really like the custom stuff too much. She's like, let's do a, let's do a hot rod car. Let's get right. crazy. And we had a Model A that uh, she and I bought and put together and fixed up. Uh, and I had sold it. I was like, we should do a 55 Chevy. She's like, the Model A, 
are you ever going to finish the inside? I feel like I'm going to kill myself with the, just the windshield straight to the head. I was like, we'll do a car with a little bit of an interior, but now I was like, we'll get a 55 Chevy, no windows, but the windshield done. <laughs> what a beautiful dashboard that car has, yeah. you know, with the, with the, the little, the little V mm -hmm. the 55 oh, yeah. is my favorite of the tri five Chevys. Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. a big 56 fan for whatever reason. Not sure what it is. I don't know if it's the square blinkers so in the front. It didn't have as much soul as the 55. I don't know. I'm a two-lane blacktop kid, though, too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like a flip-top, yeah, yeah, straight yeah. axle. And a 57 is, to me, it's just, it's it's too classy. Yeah. It's too classy for me. You can get a 57 with the little, the flip-out, you know, when you open the door and the, the rain the rain gutters uh, and everything. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a That's got a little bit too much panache for me. Yeah. You know, I like, like, again, going back to something that's a little more, you know, Spartan and, and just aggressive. And I oh, love so 50 raw car. Yeah. Yeah. I like a, I like a, you know, a 50, 55 Chevy post car with an old rear end, straight front axle yep. or 27 stick shift and just drive that thing. Like it's like it owes you money. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's, that's the kind of hot rod kind of thing I'm into. I couldn't tell you, I don't start liking Chrysler's till mid sixties. Yeah. You know, I like the Hemi's and the Max Wedges and that stuff and the 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 late 60s darts. Not a big fan of the Barracuda with the big bubble back on it, but I do right. like Cudas, the yeah, you know, yeah. 71, 72, 3 and 4 Cudas. 74's last year. Um that kind of shit, but I, I love I'm a hot rod nerd, but I am a 5 liter I'm a 5 liter Mustang guy and a G-body guy too though. Yeah. I like G I had a G-body in high school. Right. Almost killed myself in it and then I went to Fox Bodies and Never almost killed myself in a Fox body, but the fastest I ever went was in a Fox body. I have a 51, another 51 Chevy that I, I couldn't turn down. It was seven miles from my mom's house in Alabama. Yeah. She's like, this lady's selling this car. Is it a four-door, two-door? Two-door. It's the sedan. Uh, exactly like the other one I had. I drove up and got it. I got a built 327 for it, built 700R4. Um, Small journal or, or large journal? I think it's large journal. Not sure. I think, I, from what I understand, it came out of some kind of uh, Nova Two, um, but it's been collecting dust in the corner, and it, you know, three twenty seven is a fun engine. Yeah, short stroke, big bore. It's yeah. a, it's a, that's basically just a giant three hundred two Ford. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But good stuff. It'll get built someday. <laughs> it's a someday car, a someday Chris. project. Someday. <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let's talk laser etching. What is you, oh, you? You had he had a little uh, tchotchke in his pocket that had a. So what do you do with the? You can I didn't know you could laser etch leather. Yeah, um, I just recently got into kind of playing around with that through a, a buddy of mine that builds all kinds of little machines. He loves building, you know, three uh, D printers and lasers and all that kind of thing. And he had this one. Um, and we got into an idea of like, well, you know, what what can we do with this thing? Could we can we take this thing and can you could you put a put a logo on a on a painted or a, a powder coated part or whatever whatever you might might be able to do you can do powder coat can't you yeah like on a yeti can. i've seen that like on a yeti cup or something yeah, yeah. like that yeah you can you can laser engrave any <clears throat> any powder coated or painted services um you can't with de depending on the the laser that you get right um you may or may not be able to actually do engraving on the metal but you can remove the coating. remove the coating yeah that's yeah. How, that's how i thought they did the power so all of stuff. that stuff has got you know it's variable energy control so you can i can take that the same thing that i just blasted all the powder coating off of i can turn that thing down 
and etch a piece of paper with it. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of clever. I'm like, Chris, I'm glad you, glad you got that under control. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, that goes back to the bandwidth thing, right? I mean, yeah. how much bandwidth do you have in a day? It sounds like the shop that you have is like kind of really well managed for you, right? So you're doing the laser etching. Is that just kind of like a, you said that's a side gig, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm just doing it for fun. It's it seemed like a cool machine. I wish I could do and stuff. This buddy for of fun. mine, like I said, my this buddy of mine had one, and I'm like, well, what do I got to come up with to get into one of those things? He's like, well, it's going to be this much, but then you got to spend this much on modding it and do these other things to it to make it do what you want it to do. I'm like, all right, let's do that. Let's build that thing. Right. So we, we built this thing. Um, and I got it to the house a couple weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, just been playing around with it, trying to trying to learn it and figure it out. I've got, like, kind of a graphics uh, graphic design background. So I'm trying to learn the new software uh, that makes the makes the thing run. Um, but from the graphics background that I have, it's, it, it's coming pretty quickly. I was just going to uh, say, you can almost, it's like, uh, learning, um, uh, different dialects of, of a language, probably, you know, the, the pieces yeah, and parts sure. there, right? Yeah. You well, know. it's, it's like, if you pick up a, an Android phone and an iPhone, Yeah. it's like, okay, these are totally different. And this one operates different than this one. But I can figure it out. Yeah, I can you know, clunk you, my you way get through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not quite as fast as a nine-year-old. <laughs> Apparently <laughs> not. <laughs> Is there anyone in here under 10 that can explain us? Yeah, exactly. Can somebody please. reprogram my phone for me? Please? My, yeah, when, and it's funny how fast kids can pick up on technology when my daughter this is like 2002 2003 so the internet was pretty new in our household and my daughter was like I, she wanted to play this barbie game that she had been playing you know it's basically just a click on something you know as the, the thing passes through the screen right. and i'm like trying to find it i'm googling barbie game you know the <laughs> barbie game barbie games for kids and she literally i'm leaning over her while i'm typing this and at the time shelby would have been like seven or eight she goes like this she goes just just go just go, I'll get it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Good luck with that. You can't even spell yet, stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And she, she, I come back two minutes later and she's, she's playing it. God and I'm like, how did you find it? it? And she's nailed like, well, I just went over here and I clicked the drop down menu and I looked for, she just clicked that. She couldn't read what the URL said, but she just clicked on every URL until she found what she wanted. I'm glad I cleaned my browser out frequently. Because, <laughs> right. <you know. laughs> right. Surprise. Yeah. Well, shoot, Chris, a lot of that stuff came into fruition because uh, when the when the whole COVID thing happened, you, you had some downtime. So he was like, "You need some? What do you need help with at the shop?" Yeah. And, uh, well, Chris was, you know, I know some amazing tattoo artists. So whenever we did a new T-shirt design or something, I'd always have to. The people at my t-shirt place are great, but they can't really formulate what we want things to look like. And sure. I'd, I'd always lean on Chris going, hey, man, uh, I'm going to send you over this this file of this because we do tiger heads. Yeah. You know, tiger heads, the, and we, a couple different variations of it. But, like, Chris, can you arrange this with some decent lettering and whatever? So lay this thing out know. so it doesn't look retarded yeah lay it out so it doesn't look like whoever did that's one of your shirts there you're yeah. I, I would have to say mm -hmm. that you you guys are pretty um uh, that's uh, that's daring is not the right word but i mean ballsy i mean that's a very unique design that's i mean that could take away from a lot of things that's like that looks that's definitely well done and mm -hmm. you know i mean it doesn't it I'm doesn't like, say motorcycles what i'm, I'm kind of i'm trying to art well, have a hard time articulating right, that right. you're you know you could, I'm very safe, like right down the middle, it's got a logo with my motorcycle on it or just a logo on it, right? Or I'll just wear, I wear a lot of these. Right. You know, gas station G-Man t-shirts, <laughs> right, you know? Right. Well, but, the logo and stuff came about, this is a, a 
my friend Mike Wilson, my closest friend, he, he designed all that. And he knew a lot about, um, you know, Alleyway is named Alleyway because uh, in Jacksonville Beach, we have property that my grandparents owned when they were alive that I grew up in. And there was an alley in the back with two garages. Right. And uh, I had moved back to that property uh, when I was doing a lot of traveling and, you know, trying to get a lot of things figured out. I had one car, my garage, uh, one garage, my car fit in the other garage bikes fit in. And one of the first bikes that we completed is alleyway. We were building in there with some other guys that were, you know, kind of lending a hand. It always starts out that way. Right. Right. Um, but my grandfather and I were very close. Um, he survived uh, Pearl Harbor. He was in the army. So, um, I really liked all of like the, the old planes, the flying tiger stuff and, right. and, and everything, you know, and I wanted to do, Mike does a lot of Panther heads. It's kind of his signature, one of his designs. And I was like, well, you know, I, work, I don't want to rip that. Let's, what about a tiger head? You know, right. a tiger head looks, you know, you'd see a tiger head on the back of a, of a fighter pilot's jacket or something, you know. And, and I do like that genre of, of motorcycles too, 40s and 50s, the, you know, the pre-60s chopper where it's still kind of a chopper, but it's not a lot of rake, not a lot of stretch, just different fenders and stuff bolted on. Not sure. really the bob stuff from, you know, late 40s and all, but uh, it kind of morphed into now, you know, we've done a bunch of different variations of the tiger head stuff. And that's our, you know, the the gas tank I'm painting for my people's champ bike, big, huge tiger head on the top the snake fighting and all this crazy stuff. <laughs> so you actually, those of you that are doing the born free stuff, you guys got kind of a little bit of a stay of execution for a minute, but that's all still going to, that's going to go off in, in November. That's going to go off in October. September. September. That's right. September is the dates. Um, obviously everyone's super hopeful. Uh, if I had to be truthful about it, I was very happy to get more time. I'm sure I you was know, talking with Jared. Jared, did you hear my uh, podcast with Jared Weems from Weems Motor Co.? I haven't yet. No. So uh, I'm not. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but he's I building a David so. Mann replica bike, okay. uh, a Triumph, one of the only Triumphs that David Mann painted, and he built a replica, and he's actually giving that bike away. Wow. And the proceeds from that, he's given to a charity here in Tampa called uh, Forgotten Angels. Nice. And uh, so that bike is insane. It's insane. It's a different. To bring something out there is, you know, kind of a, I mean, it's a different caliber of, of some some things to a certain extent. Uh, you know, you don't really realize what you're stepping in. <laughs> and then you're like, this is requiring you to do the best work, the best ideas that you can possibly come up, come with. up with. And then, you know, with the way the social media works now, you see something else, you're like, oh, man that guy did this. Well, now what am I going to do different with this? You know, and, uh, this is the bike here. If you look up on the screen, you can see oh, that. Right. So oh, what's nice. really clever about this bike and he's got to post it, those trees. Woo. So in, Ooh, in yeah, David Mann's, cool. this is David Mann's picture. Okay. Right on. Those trees were only released on, uh, they were a factory race, um, set of trees, but he's emulated every detail of this bike completely to wow. a T and, uh, and then, and then he's going to give it away. Uh, he is, he got, he's got a very interesting story. That's what the bike looked like when he started out, but, uh, how he came about, came to have it and, and came to come in contact with it. And that, um, this guy's put his heart and soul into this. He's a, he's a vet. 
he's uh and he's medically retired he had some some brain issues he had brain tumor mm. and he's just decided that this that this charity is deserving of of this bike and uh you know hats off to him yeah. but that's that's the the drawing of it there he's he's yeah, built the bike from from oh, that wow. that's cool yeah so the dudes and, and you know anybody that does that kind of stuff for for kids the charities actually i didn't know this or not but kids that are in the foster care system they cycle out of that they age out of that mm -hmm. oh, right, and sure. there's a there's an old economy of people that take in these kids that don't have anywhere to be and they get paid for it it's kind of what they do for part of their living mm. and that kid when that kid ages out of the system that money doesn't come in anymore and these oh. people put them out in the street and i fuck, dude i can't even imagine oh, wow. I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around that. And he was telling me what was going on. And I was like, wait, what? What are you talking? These kids cycle out of what? They age out of a system. Yeah. And these kids, they hit 18, and these people tell them to kick rocks. And so this Forgotten Angels charity, is it's a 12-acre compound, and they build uh, tiny houses and mm -hmm. put these kids in tiny houses and help them get jobs and education and, yeah, and that stuff. Cool. Dude, it's a very cool. It's something that um, – that we're looking at how we can incorporate that into what we do because our wheels of steel show is definitely there's a beneficiary of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so and it's killer. children. So it was just really weird to hear that when you hear, you hear is 2020, everything's supposed to be great. You know, we, we shouldn't have some of the same social problems that we had 60 years ago. And then you find out that this shit happens. And I'm like, I never even thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Never thought about never that thought for about a second. You know, my wife and I talked about fostering one time and didn't, didn't fit what we had the, the ability to do again. It goes back to bandwidth. But then when I heard sure. that these kids cycle out, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so here you, you go. Know, you figure age it out. out. Yeah. Figure it out. You know, here's, wow. here's the whole world. Figure it out. You know, no yeah. privilege, no, no leg wow. up, no handout. So, and it's, you know, I don't think there's quite as many big brother programs and stuff like that. Well, no, because people are afraid you know. to do that kind of stuff because, I mean, look at the situation that the Boy Scouts is in. You know, yeah. good, bad, or indifferent. The churches that are, you know, there right, are some right. there are some very, very nefarious people out there that have yeah. done some very, very nefarious things to the people that trust them. Yeah. You know, teachers included, For you sure. know. And I can tell you firsthand as somebody that taught young men mostly – uh, in the high school program that I taught, that I've taught auto shop. There's a lot of kids out there that like di that crave discipline and crave somebody to come and tell them, you know, when they're doing wrong and crave them, crave helping them get. They don't want to do wrong; they want to do right, but right. they don't have anybody to to kind of bolster that and kind of, right. you know, build them up. So steer them in the right direction. Yeah. yeah so sure. mentoring programs are key. And this yeah. guy, this Jared Weems guy, he's he's taking this on as his kind of he's wanted to champion this for himself and for other people. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's way cool. So cool. your born free bike though is is your fifty one. So it's taking on a whole another thing. It's a chopper. It's well, not. It's not a restoration job. It's. I, I got mean, talked into doing that. Oh, not talked into. It was. It was a great suggestion. I had a guy I started an apprenticeship program uh, with that was working with me at the shop. Younger guy, super good dude. He's kind of in the know of a bunch of stuff, and he goes, "Hey man, I know a bunch of my buddies have done the People's Champ thing over the past few years." He goes, "At the very least, it'll get you out there in social media." It will. You know, at the time, I, I was pretty private with everything. You, you know what I mean? As far as like. It's like building bikes. I don't want to get mixed up in a whole bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah, you don't want to be building three three hundred rear tire choppers with right side drive hey, shit. You know. Well, but. I mean, but you know, there's an ask for every seat, so there's yeah. guys out there that do that, sure. you know. But he said, uh, he goes, man, listen, you got, 
you're probably not going to have a lot of other opportunities. This bike is ready to go. Right. You know, the motor wasn't assembly in my opinion, it wasn't assembled in my opinion. You know, it looked like what you should be applying with a bike and a bunch of pieces. Yeah. But I had a design in my head on, on how to do it for sure. You know, so I entered, I don't know what the exact numbers were on the entries. Um, but it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And, uh, I had heard through a couple different podcasts, some different people that had applied and, uh, they announced the cut down to 25. I was like, uh Oh, and then they cut it down even further than that. Do they not it goes oh, to yeah. 25? Then you build for another month and a half. Then they cut it to 13. Mm-hmm. Then you would build for another month and a half. And all the while, you, you know, uh, it's not like they're really laying there's, there's obligation. When you apply to that, they said, number one, no one has never not, not shown up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So please think about what you're doing and all this stuff. I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to make it very far on a, essentially I presented that as like a bobber. Right. You know, it wasn't going to be a chopper. And I was like, well, this is, I'm going to kind of do a little bit of restoration stuff and put the knucklehead front end on it. 18 inch front wheel, 16 inch rear. You know, I had the wheels there ready to be built and I was like, cool, win, win. And then after I made the cut to 13, or maybe it was when I made the cut to 12, I was like, you know, like, I want to do this. I want to, I want to do this. This is, (laughs) yeah, you know, but I knew about the show. I knew about the type of bikes that are showcased there. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, the the tough thing about it is you could have really planned, you, you could have planned the projects a little bit better. You know, but at the time you're not all in. Can't you always though? I mean, you know, have you ever gotten done with a motorcycle? Like this is perfect. Everything went perfect. I'm glad I didn't change anything and I wouldn't yeah, change never. anything now. It never happens. Well, I wish I could find that bike because I want to rewire it because I wire bikes differently now. You know what I mean? Simple, right. simple shit like that. Well, what happened at that point was I knew I had tried to arrange that bike with fat bobs on it. Cause I had right. a set of fat bobs I was going to restore. I had a fender for the rear. And man, it, it wasn't chopper enough for a chopper shell. And I remember the day, I mean. It's hard to sell twin tanks on a chopper show. Yeah. I mean, I could have built a bike I was very happy with, with like maybe smaller apes or something. At this point, Tom Faber had already made me a set of bars I was in love with that I had been stalking him for a couple of months. <laughs> and like being a total pain in the ass going, Tom, you know, I don't know. Is it going to look narrow enough? Is it going to look wide enough? And he was super cool. Sent a bunch of pictures back and forth. So now I have these bars. I'm like, well, I literally was cutting Wassell tank and, and different peanut tanks, stuff out of cardboard and setting them on the side going, it doesn't look right. And I get on a digital program, start moving some stuff around. I was like, there's no way around to do this bike to be competitive in this without cutting the stock tank mounts. And after repairing a half a dozen of stock tank mounts, I just was like, I, it's, I can't do it. I can't do it. And finally, I was like, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to do it. And I had, uh, this, I don't, I don't know. You've, I'm sure you're familiar with Scott Craig. No the chopper builder guy. Um, he built a blue chopper. Cause I was like, okay, if I put a, a wassail tank on this bike, it's going to look like everything you see out there. So what tank hasn't been just overdone, overdone. All the good ones have. Yeah. yeah. So, a bike that this guy, Scott Craig's bike, it was blue. It was a pan head. He did a pancaked, some kind of, it's, I, I ended up using an alien tank and I took. Good tank. 
Yeah, well, I took an inch and a half out of the front to nothing in the rear. So it teardrops, tunneled it, and slammed it right on top of the motor. And I was like, well, it's been done, but it hadn't been done 80 million times, and at least my bike will look a little bit different. Yeah, you know? that I, I here's the here's what I would caution anybody that was going to do do a project for Born Free. Um, don't try to play to the back of the room. In most cases, I do try to play to the back of the room. Yeah. Don't try to play to the back of the room. The only way that Born Free works is if you do what you what pleases you. Yeah. yeah. And and it has to it has to. Unfortunately, you're probably going to turn off a lot of people, but that's okay yeah. because it. it Born free to me, uh, and this isn't disparaging at all. That if you think about what I'm about to say and really, really think about it, it's a thankless motorcycle show for most people. Yeah, it's thankless, and it needs oh, to abs- be. Absolutely, you, right, it, right. It, it has to completely be in order for that show to be what it is, and it, it to be for all intents and purposes. I can only think of one other motorcycle show in the world that has the kind of. Uh, Reputa- reputation isn't even a strong enough word, but uh, moon eyes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. To where mm-hmm. you've 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 got to be asked to, to be at that to have put anything in that building, and it's such a an, such a difficult thing to do to get to that level, and then to get to that place to get to that venue that between born free and that one, and you know there used to be um, there's Mama Tried that got canceled, which is a great show. Yeah. Randy's show in St. Louis. I really want to go to that next year. That's Which one is that one? CSSTL or whatever. I heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that show is last year was really, really cool. Mm. Um, I was I was watching. It's one of those things where you're watching all the all the social media stuff, and you're like, fuck, it looked like a high school reunion. You know, guys that I've been in this business with for almost 20 years that I hadn't been in a room with together. You know, it, when you look at when I'm looking at the pictures and it's Pat Patterson, uh, you know, Paul Weidman, guys that I came up with and we haven't all been in one room together in such a long time. Yeah. You know, cause Paul, Paul's bought out of a lot of social stuff for a long time, just focused on his brand. Mm-hmm. Pat is a butterfly and is everywhere. And right. you know, Pat and I go way back and I love that dude. I've got mm-hmm. so many funny stories about that guy. And you know, when you, when you, when you see those pictures, you're like, man, I want to be at that show next year. So I, I'd really like to go to Randy's show, the, the St. Louis showcase. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. We're gonna do the Born Free show in September. Uh, the next month we'll do Congregation. Because um, I had already agreed to bring a forty-seven knucklehead there earlier in the year when plans were a little bit different. So it'll probably be Born Free September, Congregation October, and then maybe come down and see you in December. That'd be great. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. You know, we're plan. trying to turn our show to. There's a couple things, you know. Obviously, the main the main plan was to get a show off the ground for the for the Early Learning Coalition because they provide um, free VPK for all students in this community, right? They serve um, over 313 sites. You know, uh, I think 50,000 families, something something in, in that in that area. I used to know the metrics, like right. right off the top of my head, but it's a lot of people. And um, there's a lot of good stuff with it, but I wanted it to be a real motorcycle show, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things that's why we did the the legacy award for my dad. My dad was a builder, 
And my dad loved the custom stuff, like the radical custom stuff. So we created this builder trophy for my dad that I wanted rules set up so that the people who won that award owned that award and owned that space. And I want to create a, a buzz around that award to where are you, you're a car guy. So have you been to Detroit Autorama? I haven't. Have you heard of the, the Don Riddler award? I have. Okay. So I the have. Don Riddler award, that's the best car in the building at Detroit Autorama. That's awesome. the only place you can win the Riddler is in Detroit. Chip Foose has won it. Trey Chapanier's won it. I have a friend who's won it two times, and he won it the first time when he was 15 years old. Impressive. Yeah. Nice. His name's Dale Hunt. And so that Riddler Award is, you know, there's a whole judging metric that goes around with that. So what I did with this award was, as I said, look, we're going to pick one person to come in, build a trophy, and he's going to pick the best bike in the building doesn't matter what it is the best bike in the building that impresses him that, that he wants to win and we're going to pick an artist and then whoever he picks has to agree to build the trophy and pick the artist the next year so that way there's no judge rubric mm -hmm. there's no politics involved it's literally any bike in the building you don't have to sign up for the class if your bike is there as long as it's not like in a commercial booth as long as it's there in the show Right. It qualifies. It's the only qualifier for it. And it's owned by, that space is owned by the artists. You know? Yeah. So Kyle Ray, Rice, Kyle Ray Rice won. I had Brian Butera do the first, first trophy and pick the first bike. Now Kyle Ray Rice is going to come this year. He's going to build the trophy, pick the bike, and hopefully whoever, you know what I mean? And we get it to Keep where. the rotation. What going. I want to do cool. is build it to where people build a bike for that and create a class around it, you know, and people yeah. want to win that. People want to win that trophy. So, you know, and it's an artist owned, basically that space is owned by the artist. And yeah. so that way it's, it's kind of, you know, off onto the side and it's, mm -hmm. it's a easily replicable. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah. That's cool. But the born free thing, the only way to, to really do that, like I said, it, I believe it's a thankless show and you have, you're, you have to go into it to please yourself. Otherwise it's going to be inauthentic. I'm having a good time with uh, the, the whole bike builds, yeah, been having a blast with it. It's just the clock's ticking. Yeah, clock's right. ticking right now. Okay, end of June. I want to be complete and running. Missing a couple things, but by the end of July, a running motorcycle. Just got chrome back. All my pieces are still polishing. Then I have to engrave them. Oh, you're engraving yourself. So I'm gonna do a little bit of minimal engraving. Are you doing the old hammer style or? Uh, I've got a, a, one of the air gravers on loan. Okay. Which is like a little, this particular air graver is a little bit beefier than a one for guns, you know, but gotcha. I'm going to, I'll be mimicking some of the patterns in the paint in the engraving on the engine. And then I'll do the same patterns and the hand tooling on the seat. So I still have to engrave those parts and then assemble. <laughs> <laughs> All my stainless, I made stainless foot controls, stainless sissy bar, um, stainless motor mounts, all, you know, all that jazz. It still has to be finish welded. It's actually polished. I finish weld it. And then repolish. Repolish. Uh, put my head together with some guys doing some casting work. So we cast, I cast a dual headlight. It's all about, each one's about that big. Right. Same style and shape tail light, which those are almost done, but those have to be machined. 
and a couple we're, other odds we're in there. Ends. We're getting there. And where do yeah. you come in? Are you <laughs> are you are, are you there with moral support or um, here hold this or Chris so, is, can you grab me a wrench? Yeah, Chris is uh, <laughs> one of his his uh, closer friends is uh, doing the casting. Um, they got involved in doing the 3D imaging. I designed them, and uh, but I wanted a legit. We we've done. I have a guy that worked with me a few years ago that did a bunch of casting work, and we were kind of at the mercy of whatever. We didn't get into the LED stuff. I was right. closed-minded about it because I didn't want to look too modern because we did castings on Chris's shovel head and on yeah. that silverfish bike too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted smaller shapes and exact specific shapes that you haven't seen ever done. It's such a robust technology. It's so simple that if you you know, you know hide it behind some older-looking glass, you can really get a good light right. out of it. Well, we're yeah, doing our own cast, cast lenses. Right. That'll mm-hmm. be uh, opaque enough. You won't be able to see the LEDs behind it. So they'll function correctly. They'll be super bright. And, uh, yeah, got, I got all my stuff back from Chrome. Now Where are you chroming these days? I used Hialeah. Okay. Um, he came from a reference. Um, I don't know if you know Taco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Taco and I became friends uh, a little bit. We see each other very little. But, I like uh, that dude. I run into him at the industry stuff, and I yeah. don't know if he's still with the uh, with the the communicator company or not. But. I don't either. Um, I set up at uh, one of the some of the local dealers dealerships whenever uh, they do little bike events and stuff. And he was there working for Lexan, and uh, he's working for Lexan now. That's what he said the last time I talked. No to shit. Him. Okay. And I was like, dude. Tell him about different stuff. He goes, dude, I've seen the bike coming together, man. It's looking good. I was like, I appreciate it, but I'm, I, at that time, I wanted to chrome the whole frame because I've never done one. I haven't done one yet either. And in my opinion, some of the bikes that are the furthest out there that are winning, Moonize Japan, and getting recognized are all chrome frame. And I sat on the fence about it. He and I were talking. He said, hey, I got, I got my, my boys down there. Call them up. I was like, all right. And I was a little leery. I'd use Space Coast for forever. Um, God, they're so expensive. So expensive. And I, I didn't have a problem with the expense as much as I do. the way they're doing their space. <laughs> I'm so cheap, I, I do. Man. I do. <laughs> but the, the way they're handling their customer service, um, you know, the, the bike I did for a tattoo artist in Pennsylvania, fabbed up the whole bike, send the stuff down there. Sissy Bars, my quote is double. I go, hey, what's going on down there? Right. You know, I can't pitch this to this guy that his Chrome bills double. Like, why is it so much more? Oh, that's just what the guy said. I go, well, I'm sitting here with the invoices from the past two bikes we did. There wasn't much different size, height of the other ones. Like, what's up? They wouldn't budge. They started treating me like a second-class citizen, you know, where I'm just like, we've done business before. Well, like, not only that, but that. hey, everybody in the Chrome industry, here, everyone in the Chrome industry, <laughs> you are in a dying industry. So you better start taking care of the people that are going to stick it out with you because let's face it, it's a tough sell. And there's other ways to cheat that, that get the job done for the first, you know, uh, there isn't a replacement for Chrome yet, but I'm sure somebody's working on one. Yeah. Yeah. Jose was really straight with me. Taco gave me his number. I talked to him personally for like a half hour and uh, I waited out the COVID thing for them to reopen. I was getting nervous because they didn't change the date to September through all that while my Chrome <laughs> was Chrome sitting was there. Sitting there. I'm like, I'm going I'm to have to send you it. You work in a Chrome plant, but you're afraid of COVID. 
I don't think it was their choice. Right. No, I know. It's yeah. Not, not, yeah. But because uh, I, I was just, surprised too. I'm I'm, like, I'm forever trying to incite arguments about <laughs> where we are and wearing masks and what. You oh know. man, they just enforced it. I know that in Jacksonville they made it everywhere in public. You got we got one. masks in the truck. We're rolling here. I go, man. I just listened to Jason's podcast. I don't think you know, but no. you know, you not, never know. dude. They can lock me up, throw away the key. I wore one on the plane because I was going to see Cody, and I accepted that. I'm willing right. to make the choice when it's you know when it's something I want to do. Yeah. I just don't understand the overreach. Yeah, it's it's not even a bad idea for most people to wear a mask. Like I, I have to tell you, like in a restaurant or something, I'm seeing these people carrying my food. I'm like. I kind of like that. Yeah. I know that you're not spitting in my food. Not that you would try right. to, but I'm not even getting spit particulates into my food if you got a mask on. Right, if they have a cough I'm or anything. With the, yeah, or talk yeah. or, you sure. know, sneeze or what. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. It just I don't. It, it kind of comes as a, a non-issue. But yeah. I, you're not going to – I don't know. I just it, – it's probably going to go off on a, on, a, on a bad tangent. But, I mean, it. I think it's – I think – they either a they know exactly what they're doing or b they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing and so they're just grasping at straws and i don't have any way to prove or disprove either way two so. guys one of my close friends on one hand got it he just got out of quarantine mm -hmm. and i was like man like it's not bullshit <laughs> well know? it's not bullshit and it's not it's not a it's a flu-like situation you know Right. Uh, we we finally know somebody too that that supposedly or that actually has come back tested positive for it. Yeah. You know, um, my my thing is that six hundred thousand people die in this country from cardiovascular disease every year, but we're not slapping hamburgers out of fat people's hands. I completely I agree. Mean? At my point, my take on it is like, I don't want the inconvenience of the whole thing. No, I don't want the quarantine. I don't want to. Have, then it trickles to whoever whoever's been around, and you got this big huge mess. Like just you know. Everybody keep their distance. Yeah, a little bit, well, I and guess, I'm okay you know? with that too. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't need to suck face with anybody. I yeah. don't need to. You know, we can fist bump. That looks cooler, anyways. You know, we just like elbows. Yeah, that yeah. one elbow one. The first time I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just the, it, it is a new thing. Yeah, well, then that's fine. I mean, sure. socially, it it's fine is. as long as it's our choice. When it's mandated, I immediately go to fuck you, fuck off, yeah. fuck. Off. You know, I'm not doing yeah. it. There's so. a lot of theories and. And and I'm an idiot, and you shouldn't listen to any of mine. But I but every day somebody gets into an argument with me on Facebook over my fucking shitty idea, and I'm like, yeah. you're arguing. My finally, my my buddy from back home today says, okay, you have a good day, and I'm like, you got to stop arguing with idiots, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's making you look bad. You're arguing with me. I got a degree in fuck all. You know what I mean? Like you you can't right. you know. I don't believe anybody or anything. I believe what I can see, what I can touch, what I can smell, what I can hear, mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of my kind of my thing. So, um, yeah, so the here's the thing with the born free deal. Just to come circle back around to that, did you sell that bike? Are you keeping that bike? That's you got any? Big, is, uh, does uh, I'm normally so responsible with stuff. You know what I mean? Do people come? I mean, you, you got to have more money than you ever thought you'd have in it. That's oh, going to be ridiculous. It's it's going to be ridiculous. So um, it will certainly be for sale uh, when completed. And I figure it'll get, uh, you know, it'll get a, a significant amount of time, six, eight months, 12 months. Uh, I believe you should probably strike while the iron's hot on that one, you know. but First offer is your best offer usually. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. But, uh, you know, I... It's one of those things. I see what people are selling some really nice show bikes for. 
I'm like, man, it's such a shame. That's not an $18,000 bike, dude. That's a $25,000 bike on the low end for the time you have put in it. And then you have other people that are, for, there is a group of people in the, in the community that I'm in. I'm largely in the FXR Dyna community. And some of the stuff that people are putting out there for, for sale, I'm like, I could, I have a bike shop. I could build, I could buy all the parts you just bought and put it together for less than what you're selling it mm-hmm. for yeah. and mm-hmm. still sell it and make a profit is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, right. there's gotta be a certain amount of, I, I, you know, I don't I know mean, if there's an ask for every seat. I've done really well. Uh, I feel very fortunate to say that. You know, I mean, most of the bikes that uh, that Silverfish bike was never a project I built to sell. It was being built for someone else. And the guy had some issues. He was up in uh, New York area. He backed out of it. I ended up with the bike and, uh, and I put it out on uh, I put it on eBay. I did really well with it, you know, but I've uh, never done really well with that. So I'm a buy high, sell low kind of guy. <laughs> I've always got to like rationalize in my head. Well, you know, there's the cost of ownership, right? Right. <laughs> but, right. you know, but. That yeah. when I do get things, I don't like to sell them. I don't. I don't want to. I think it's uh, it's turned into a bike that I want way more than if I would have put that thing together as a stocker, bobbed fifty one with a knucklehead front end. Right you now, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's it's the calling card at this point. Did you use the knucklehead front end on it? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it's sitting there. Well. I'm, I'm torn. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do because the cost of chroming the knucklehead, I feel would devalue it. And if I did a replica one with modified components, I can get that for debatably the same price as it would cost me to chrome a front end. I'm going to devalue it. That's worth 2,500 ish. It doesn't I, make I any they, sense. I thought they were worth a little bit more than that. Not I thought mine. it was 35 a, to four. Maybe mine's um, for date code. I'd have to brush back up on the date code stuff, but it's not a super early one. Okay. Um, See, I can't nerd out on that old stuff. Really. I love knuckleheads. Like aesthetically, I would love to have a knucklehead, you know, just uh, aesthetically. I think they're beautiful engines. Yeah. I'm not a panhead guy, even though my favorite bike ever built has a panhead in it. But the things I like about that are, are not the panhead parts. I love the mag on right, it. I love right. the velocity stack. You know, it wouldn't right. matter if it had knuckleheads or shovel. I actually, I really like shovel heads too. I don't know if you saw that slab shovel that's in there. I yeah, saw it in there. Yeah. yeah, so I'm building that for, that's going to Australia. So we're building cool. a bike for a dude over there that we're friends with. And uh, Brian's going to build me a frame. Not a stainless frame, but a, a nice, you know, Brian Butera Metalworks frame that's, mm-hmm. you know, nice little, it'll have a peanut tank on it or, a, a, you know, small sporty tank on it and kickstart and I like Brian's stuff a lot. I never met him. I like his stuff a lot. Oh, he's a good he's dude. Awesome, yeah, he's his shop's only like five minutes from here. He's awesome. a, he's really, really down to earth dude. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of a quiet dude, but, you know, when you, when you get him in his shop and watch him work and stuff, he's, he's, he's got yeah, it going yeah. on. He has exactly, he's one of these guys that is laser focused on what he does and everything else he makes sure he gives somebody that can do it at, at the same level he does what he does so that's why his projects turn out the way they do is yeah. he's just he's got this laser focus and he understands what he's trying to do and he doesn't deviate from it you know this is yeah. what we're trying to do this is what it needs to look like his number two bike is a, is what we call uh my buddy tiktok that owns the the shovel head that we're building that lives in the UK. He's got this term that he uses, and, and ever since he said it, uh, I've, I've used it to describe motorcycles. There's a certain kind of motorcycle that we call a grower, 
and a grower grows on you. The first time you see it, maybe it's nice. You can tell it's good. And then you come back a few minutes later and look at it and you see something else. And then you see it at another show and you see something else and you realize it's, it's kind of growing on you. So we call them growers where yeah. Brian's number two bike is like that, where it's like, it's a grower. Mm-hmm. His first bike, the, the red one with the, with the girder that he built mm-hmm. is, I mean, that's just a blast right between the running lights. You can see that thing's got all kind of panache and flair and it's, sure. you know, it's, it's a, it's a cone shovel. So it, the simplicity of it is, is, is pretty easy to, to obtain. But then when you look at the the number two bike with the pan and the stainless frame and how linear it is when you look at it from behind, yeah. you know, do you know who Rick Bray is from R R B K or RKB? He was, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he builds some stuff that is just off the fucking wall to me. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah. And he built a bike for the golden bolt last year. And like every, all these pictures, you know, again, you're, you're sitting here in Florida and you're watching your friends over at, at a show in L.A. and you, you, you want to see all the pictures and we have social media so we can kind of see yeah. the, the ebb and flow of the day of the show and that. And Rick's bike, every time someone took a picture of it, it was from a different angle and it looked like a different bike and you could see all these different things. And it's one of those bikes cool. I want to see in person, you know, yeah. where Brian's was very like. Uh, that's the point. That's what you you want. You know, that's uh, that was the point of uh, your, your talking about how born free doesn't really have any i don't know a huge benefit but you want i don't mean that it doesn't have a huge benefit well, you, what i'm saying is, is you don't leave there with uh it's it's it's, it's very self-dealing because there's it's such a wide array of bikes you're you're building for an an opportunity for your bike to shine as as best as it possibly can and you're you're playing you're playing in a game with no rules you get dudes like that guy, uh, Vintage Technologies, building uh, an engine you can see the inside of while it runs. Oh, yeah, and it yeah. runs. Saw that thing. Have you seen that in person? I haven't seen it in Wait person. Wait till you see that fucking bike in person. Yeah, that thing's crazy. Like broke it. my fucking brain. And, and when Christian Newman builds something. Yeah. No contest. No I, contest. The I don't he's even. building right now, I'm just like, holy crap. Uh, dude, the, he, he he showed a video the other day of the rocker arms that he, that he built for that. That guy, it, I met him. You don't, he doesn't exhume like genius, like, <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? He, he yeah. rolled up on a sports shirt and he had like one of those, one of those uh, black and white striped jumpsuits uh-huh, that looked like maybe. from the 1930s, like cop and robber show. Uh-huh, and he's right. just a nice kid and he's talking and laughing and just having a good time. And yeah. he's surprised he's in the room with those people too. And it's like, bro, you're the one everyone's keeping up with. And no one's keeping up to. with him. Right. No. no one's keeping up with him. That no. dude's on another level. He's on another yeah. planet. Is that knucklehead? With uh, the sprocket on the outside yeah, of the frame, yeah, just and, and a whole every, the whole bike, everything. I don't have that kind of time. Like no. I haven't thought of that many cool ideas. And I'm 47. Like I'm, no. yeah, I'm, and it goes back to what I like is very simple and Spartan. Yeah, because I, that's just the way I am. I mean, it, it. I can't even conceive something like that. You, know, you watch that video. Have you ever seen the video of uh, Warren building that frame? I try to watch all of Warren's videos. So there's one on there's one on YouTube where you know they call it the video is called El Rey and it's like it's it's a very very well produced video and I'm like I don't have my brain you know do you know you know him? I've met him a couple times in Daytona. Okay, so I, I don't know him personally. I hope I said nice stuff to him. He was kind of looking at me funny. I was like, uh, love your stuff, dude. He's very he's he's very happy to yeah. make himself happy. Yeah. You know, that's like I, I wish he would build a bike for born free because you'd be surprised at, you know what? He's one of those dudes that you can roll a bike out and you go, that looks like Warren built it. Yeah. And there's a couple a people who copy style. him mm-hmm. and no one hits it. Nope. 
you know, when, when I go down, when I, when I go down to his place and stuff, I'll spend, I'll make sure I have time to spend the whole day there. You know, we'll go have lunch and or dinner and just chill out. And some, you know, sometimes we'll go back and sit out. On, he lives on the lake mm-hmm. in Miami. Yeah. And he lives in the house that he was brought home from the hospital in. And oh, wow. there was nothing around it before. And so he's watched everything kind of come up. Yeah, he yeah. posted a couple of weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago, a picture of him and Billy out on the pier when they were I little kids. Yeah. Right. And then a picture of his kid out on the pier at the same pier, yeah. you know, and it's just, he, he Very just, cool. he's so chill. And he just, you know, we were talking, he's like, he really, he's really into, um, vintage airplanes and big ones like yeah. he helps do i saw the that pratt whitney stuff and the you know that old know. that old stuff and his his shop is it's um you know to him it's where he goes every day but it's amazing his art pieces oh dude propeller and if i ever won the lotto stand. i'd buy that table that's the crankshaft out of the you know i mean it's amazing i've been following for a while he did something with like a fan and a nightclub that was like an engine mm-hmm. or something i'm just like yeah, awesome. he's so talented, and awesome. so he puts on a clinic though. Like I'll go to a shop, yeah. and he's like, "You want to learn about knuckleheads?" I'm like, "Yeah,", yeah. and he tell, he's telling me all this stuff, and he's showing me all the different pieces and parts of the head, and what to look for, and the mistakes he made early on in his career where he thought, you know, this guy's an engineer, so he's like, "I'm going to re-engineer this knucklehead so it never leaks oil, so it never seizes up, so it runs perfect." And he did all that, and it fucking seized up. And he's like, "They like to they like to be loose." So you got to, you know, it's like a, mm. he talks when he's talking about motorcycles, he's talking about them like they're women, you know, it's like, there's just some elegance to the way he talks yeah. and, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't share a lot of stuff with a lot of people. And in fact, when, when I was in Daytona, we were talking and I'm like, Hey man, I really want to have you on the podcast. And he's like, he doesn't like to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, fine. And I go, look, man, you know, like people want, he goes, no, no, you won. Like, you know, don't talk about it no more. Like, you tell me when and we'll do it, you know, one of those sort of things. So I'll pack this thing up some at some point and head back down to Miami and do that. But that's the FXR that I showed you back there, the little one, yeah, the, yeah. the the, the lowrider. one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I bought that from the original owner, and he was selling one of Billy's bikes. And I'd always want to own one of Billy's bikes. So I called him, and I'm like, hey, dude, I'll trade you my FXR for that bike. He's like, done. So I drive the FXR down to his house. I get, you know, to a shop. We do the exchange. We go have dinner, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I come home. We talk. Well, I haven't talked to him in a little while. I probably should text him and just say, hey. Um, well, so he has the FXR. I've got the Chopper's Inc. bike. I end up selling the Chopper's Inc. bike. Which bike was it? It was one called uh, Shit Luck. And I had never seen it before. I had never heard about it. But there's a there's a shitty story that goes with it. Someone, ironically enough, had crashed it and and didn't make it. So I sold it to a dude. There's a dude in Buda, Texas, that buys up a lot of West Coast Chopper stuff and a lot of Chopper's Inc. stuff, and he redoes the bikes and sells them. He's always on uh, on eBay. I can't remember what his his screen name is, but he he sells stuff on eBay. Well, so that dude buys the bike off me. You know, done deal. I am. Fast forward, that was in 2017. Fast forward to last summer about this time. I'm having a conversation in in my showroom about FXRs with this guy who's from California who is uh, in the Soldier, Soldiers for Jesus Motorcycle Club. It's MC. Okay. 
and we're talking and whatever, we're going back and forth. And I was telling him about the, the story I just told you. And while I'm talking to him, Warren calls me and he's like, Hey man, he's like, I'm going to get rid of this FXR. I'm like, cool. I can't talk to you right now, but I'll call you in a few minutes. So I call him and I'm like, Hey, I've got this shovel head, the 72 shovel head. That was my dad's. I've had it for five years. I'm not going to ride it. I thought I wanted a shovel head. I don't want a shovel head, you know, and it was too nice to just tear apart and make a chopper out of it. And he goes, that's exactly how I feel about this bike. He goes, I always thought I wanted an FXR because I'm not going to ride it. He goes, I've ridden it two times. I put a battery in it, I put gas in it. That's it. I said, I'll trade you the shovel head for the FXR back. Done. So I get back and he, I'm like, I can't do it till after Sturgis. It's this time of year. So I'm getting ready to go. I'm like, I don't have time to go down to Miami for a whole day. So he's like, no problem. He goes, call me when you get back from Sturgis. Okay. So I get back from Sturgis. I get this shovel. I want to make sure the shovel head's good. I know it's good, but I want to make sure it's ready to go. Put a new battery in it, put gas in it, start it up, and it fires right up and, did, 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 you know, just runs perfect. I'm like, I'm going to run this down the street one last time to make sure that this is what I want to do. I took that thing to the end of the street and back. I couldn't get in the trailer fast enough. So I was like, fuck <laughs> this thing, man. I, it had the original, uh, you know, internal throttle that you have to twist back. And uh, I'm like, I'm not. I don't want to fuck acquired this thing. Taste. It is an acquired <laughs> taste. I love the engine I mean, and yeah. trans, but outside of that, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. So I took it there, and then that's when I got that FXR back. Is how I, how I ended up with it. That's I traded, it, traded it back to him. Yeah, that's the other uh, internal throttle stuff. I have the linker that goes on that panhead, and I just don't think I can bring myself to do the internal push forward. No linker. It's just. No. Plus, uh, you know, I wanted a more custom it. carburetor on it, but I think I'm going to run an E on it since it's all, I want it to be responsive and kind of loud. It's only 74 inches. It don't need no. When I was down at the V-Twin show, one of my buddies that rode down there with me, guy starting an old panhead, and I go, hey, Brent, hear how that panhead is running? Hear how it's like a tractor? I'm like, I don't want my chopper to sound like that. <laughs> That's how right. it's going to sound real. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just, plus the SNS, I know if I have any issues in California, because we got to ride, we get there, you got to ride to the show to qualify. 40, really? 40 something mm -hmm. miles. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's just for people's choice, though, right? Just for people's champ. Okay. Or people's champ, yeah. Um, so, and they won't tell us where yet, which, whatever, you know. But if I have any, Air fuel mix. Thank God like you're that. doing it in September, not in fucking June. Because it was hot there this time of year. You ain't kidding. Well, I think everything's going to work out for the way it's supposed to work out. And you're right. So. An S&S &S is so. an easy carburetor to, to and it's I've, got manners. It's got a, it's got an accelerator pump and, yeah, you know, I'm, just buy the one with the small Venturi and it'll, it'll do what it's supposed I'm to do. I'm most fluent with that carburetor. I think I can, <laughs> I'll have a, a box of stuff and a chase truck. Yeah. You can push it the show if you break down. You can push it the rest of the way. You can push it to where you're getting judged. But you can't put it in a trailer. You can't put it in a truck. Well, there you like, go. Man, well, all right. Yeah, so make I sure you it. shake it down. Make Good sure you ride it. Find a 25-mile run and, and do four of those. I got one. I was <laughs> showing Chris yep. out, out by the house. There's a lake. You do a big loop. I know it's 25 miles. Right. All the way to the gas station for chopper stuff and all, you know. Yeah. Backpack and. But I don't want to break it in around the shop. It's too sketchy. City up there. Yeah. Front sure. brake, no front brake, foot clutch. <laughs> I love that stuff, but it's the 
I like living and breathing and not being hurt too. The older yeah. I get, the the more simple I want things to get. And by right. simple, I mean more complicated, more buttons to push. Also right. got me more comfort, the, the more creatures, comforts, and FXRs and Dyna stuff. You know, I love all the old bikes, but being, you know, it started a few years ago with having the shop so far away from the house. I started with the Heritage Springer because I had one 15 years. That's ago. not a bad bike, but it's screaming at 70. Yeah, Evo. Yeah, and then when, yeah, I you know windshield bags. I could put all my stuff, backpack, laptop, lunch. Snacks, drinks, firearms, whatever, you know, and you're right. cruising. But when people are riding aggressively on Interstate 95 and you dump it and don't move. Yeah, you get run over. You know, so that's what started that Eastern FXR Dyna uh, little side company thing that I got. I had a guy come to me, an old friend of mine. He had bought a Dyna and he's like, man, I don't know if you have time, but would you fix my Dyna up like this? Like club style. I was like, yeah, man, we'll do whatever bikes a total total hunk of junk looks like it was sitting on the side of the beach for forever i go dude this thing isn't gonna clean up and i'm gonna throw a quick paint job on it and you know we'll, we'll, we'll work it out right so he did that bike and he goes man i want a low rider ass i'm gonna sell this bike can you help me sell it i go well the bike's presentable enough i'll run it under my company name on ebay and you know i'm not ashamed of it it's nothing super special bike sold so that guy's light bulb went off in his head he goes man we should do some of these and when i rode that one i put together for him i was like man this thing's nimble turns yeah they're not bad bikes you know six speed yeah 96 inches oh so it was a it was it was an 06 and later yeah it was a street bob my 08 super glide i drove that thing like it owed me money and that thing just took it took all of it yeah it's Mm -hmm. a fun bike I ended up doing three bikes for him because I told him, I was like, man, I, I don't want to do a company. I don't right. need an investor. If you want, here's the price to paint them. Here's the price for the parts. You know, I'll help you out on that. Here's the price to assemble them. Do you want to flip them and try to make money? Go for it. We'll do this little company. But I'm not, I already got a company I've been trying to keep, you know, a good name for bandwidth. a while. Yeah, if you, Go back to bandwidth. Back to bandwidth. Yeah. So, uh, you know, then I ended up getting one that I did up and it like reinvigorated motorcycle riding again. I was like, man, I don't have to, you know, we don't get enough time. We don't get enough seat time. I get enough motorcycle time. Cause I'm, you know, I'm getting right. I'm here all day, every day. I started riding Six as many days, days as I can back and forth to work. That's, I need to get back to that too. That's 46 miles a day. I do four days. Keeps the miles off the truck. Yep. <laughs> Plus, I like that adventure. It's like going camping. You got your stuff packed for the day. You got enough rain gear, hardly any. So, you know, in the summer, you're going to get wet. Yeah. Well, my ride home is, is like I said, I'm only a mile and a half from here. So, the bike barely swift. even gets warmed up. Right. right. <laughs> so, That's good, though, but, still, though. Well, where can people find you on the Instagram and the Facebooks and the Internet and all that stuff? Instagram, it's at Alleyway Customs with a K. Okay. Uh, also at Eastern FXR Dyna. Uh, and then our website is www.alleywaycustomswithak.com. You on Instagram, Chris? Yeah. And where can they find you at? Uh, usually you can contact me through Alleyway as well for that kind of thing. Okay, cool. Eastern FXR Dyna, that's the, the, the side, side, side deal? company. 
Nice. I run all the performance stuff through that. You know, the chopper guys hate on the performance stuff. The performance guys hate on the chopper stuff. Right. You know, we're doing big wheel bagger projects with the dealerships. You know, you can't put that on your chopper page. The FXR guys right. are bummed. It's a big wheel <laughs> thing. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Do you like, I like motorcycles. I'm just saying. Right. Like, <laughs> I have to do this declaration of the post. Not everybody's into big wheel baggers, but. I, Clano, I have that. I have that big wheel bagger shirt. This is uh, stop glorifying baggers. Yeah, right. Like I have gotten more hate over that. I've had customers like, no, I'm not coming in there. You don't like baggers. I'm like, no, I do like baggers. I just, I like fucking jokes and laughing. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a joke. You know, right everybody is so goddamn anymore. You know, they, they get so butthurt over everything. So one of the bigger challenges doing some of this stuff for the, you know, like I said, that shoot, my Instagram page was private. Long time, I didn't care. If you like right. bikes? Hit me up. If you're not a douche, well, we'll be motorcycle. Yeah, fans, you go you back know? and look at look at just, their posts to see you know, if they're you know who is this guy? What are they talking about? You know, and then open it up a little bit with the new shop, and it, it's it's really been good, you know. But all that frustrating stuff that happens is people like if you weren't going to say that to my face about the asking price of something at a swap meet, do not do it on the internet. Oh, the I agree principle. with that. If if you think it would get you punched in the face. In the real world. In the real world. Then don't just don't do internet, it. Yeah. You know? That's but a good rule. I can't say stuff like My that. My favorite you know? one is where they say, what's the lowest you'll go? And you go about two miles an hour. Otherwise, it'll fall over. <laughs> right. uh, well, man, thanks for coming down and doing this. We hey, did an hour, so in, uh, hour and 50 minutes. It goes fast. That's why you tell me. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So Time flew. So, man, thank you so much. Hey, really man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, it. It was good to meet you too, Chris. You too, Jeff. Cool, man. So go check them out. It's going to be a born free People's Choice, they call it? No, they people's, call it People's Bill Champ. Wells, People's Champ. Cool. Alleyway Customs on Instagram. Cool, man. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. You have been listening to the How on Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening. 